Alright, hello and welcome to another episode of Hashtag Pistons. I'm Joe, I'm your host. Um, today's going to be a little bit short, probably, and also largely unscripted. Um, while I was driving home from something else on my way back to do this, um, the, I'm pretty sure the clutch on my car completely went out, which is a real bummer. That's probably it for that vehicle. Uh, good night, sweet prince. But regardless, I'm running a little late as a result of that, so it's going to be a little bit quick today. But still got some good stuff to talk about. So, obviously, last night, um, Pistons destroyed the Phoenix Suns. Uh, really just certainly nothing to complain about with that game last night. Um, the Suns are not a good team, and they also were playing their third game in four nights. They traveled between every game. This was the second of a back-to-back. So, really just everything aligned to that. The Pistons should have been able to just slaughter them, and that's that's exactly what that was last night. That was an absolute and utter slaughter. Um, and really, everybody played well. Uh, Andre Drummond looked good. Avery Bradley looked good. Tobias Harris looked good. Reggie Jackson looked good. Stanley Johnson didn't do a whole lot on offense, but um, he just he didn't even take very many shots. He only took four shots in the game. So he didn't do a whole lot on offense, but he looked very good on defense. Uh, pretty much everybody on the bench played well, except for that stretch right at, in absolute garbage time. But you know, really just just a good win. And in in a way, it's almost even it's almost even better in a way. The not better, but I'm just as pleased with that win last night as I am with the win against uh against Boston. Just because over the past couple of years, this team has shown that they have the ability to play up to better teams. And, well, obviously it's great the way that they've played up to better teams consistently this year. Uh, that's not necessarily a totally new thing. But a thing that has been a real problem for them over the last two years has been playing down to competition. And they didn't do that at all in this game. There were, there's, just been, there's been too many times over the last two years where they get a game like this and it would end up being a really close game, or maybe even losing a game like this. And, you know, that's a reputation that's well-earned on their part. They did a lot, but they're really starting to shake that this year. They went out, they took care of business, they jumped out to an early lead, and they never looked back. And that's really a, it's a good sign of growth, as both, first off, just the fact that they're a better team now, I think, so, like, even though everyone likes to talk about, well, they're just inconsistent, or, in particular, people like to talk about that with individual players, so, like, as an example, people would talk about, um, KCP like that as a shooter, it's like, well, he's just really inconsistent, and it's like, you realize that part of being really good at something is being consistently good at that something, so it's not necessarily just that he's inconsistent, it's actually that he's just not that good. Um, and that was a thing with the Pistons last two years, that it's not just that they're inconsistent, it's also just the fact that they're not actually that good. Um, they they were decent two years ago, they were not that good last year, and that's just, that's the reality. And that's a big part of it, it's not just that, oh, they're more mature, they don't play down to their competition, it's that they're just a lot better this year, so they're able to have, they're less likely to be, have those bad games because they are a better team. And... You know, particularly two years ago, because the Pistons were actually pretty good that year, um, and they still had that issue. A big part of it, I think, is that because they relied on Reggie Jackson so much um, to create their offense, and when you're a team that relies heavily on one player, 
there's going to be more likely to play down to competition because, you know, if you're playing the worst team, then that one player who has a huge load is going to be more likely to kind of be like, well, what if I just kind of let the other people try and do their thing here? And so they do less, and that's like, and then it gets the game starts to go, and it's close, and they're like, oh, I guess I actually have to, you know, do my thing here. And that's something that is not really the case anymore, just given the way that they... They share the ball so much more. Everybody gets involved. And also just that the players around them are better. And that is one thing that is worth mentioning about all of this. Is A lot of people have said, well, you know, Reggie Jackson's playing a lot smarter now. And the offense is designed much better and this, that, and the other thing. And while that is all true, a big part of this is just the fact that they've got a lot more good players on their team than they did two years ago in particular. Um, so, like, if you think about it, go back to two years ago where they won 44 games. I mean, now, Stanley Johnson to Marcus Morris, Morris probably a better player overall. Um, I'd certainly say he's a better offensive player, although he's not the defender Stanley Johnson is. But the reality is that because of his brand of offensive play, he's not that far ahead. But, like, KCP to Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley is way better than KCP is. Anybody can see that at this point. And then Tobias Harris to that year's Tobias Harris, the way that he's shooting the ball from deep. He's been immensely better. And then, I mean, the bench, particularly if you're going back to two years ago, the bench is just miles better. Um, Ishmith, Langston Galloway, and even if you want to go to last year, Langston Galloway, Anthony Tolliver, and Luke Kennard have all been really important contributors for this team, and they've all been improvements on what was there last year. Uh, and that's just that's just the reality. So it's a lot easier, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's the best way to put it is that it's a whole lot easier to sort of run a really egalitarian offense where everybody's getting involved, everybody's scoring, you're sharing the ball a lot, when you've actually got enough good players that it's worth it to do that. So, for instance, once again, you go back to two years ago, um, one of the reasons that they were so pick-and-roll heavy with Reggie Jackson is not just because, well, Reggie Jackson's good, so we're going to have him have the ball all the time. A big part of it is because they really had no other good option in the offense. And that's just the reality. And so within that, then, if you've got a team where you've got enough guys that can all put the ball in the hoop, that can all have a role in the offense, then it's a lot easier to run this sort of an offense. And it's really it's really been impressive to see them just to, to pivot so much, I guess, um, just based on the fact that they were such a, um, oh, man, I'm not going to bother to open it up because I don't have it open right now. But I believe that last year the Pistons ran pick and roll like 37% of the time. They were around 40% the year before that, too, which was one of the heaviest usages in the NBA. This year they're down to like, I think, 20-some percent, like 25, 26, 27%. I don't know what they were at after last night. But I'm not going to bother to open it up because you have to go through a whole bunch of stuff for, on Synergy to get to it. But... Um, and they're one of the lowest, I think that as of like a week ago, they were the lowest usage pick and roll team in the entire NBA, which that is absolutely shocking considering that they, that was their offense the last two years was we're just going to run endless pick and rolls. And they've completely swapped that up this year. And it's really impressive that they're able to do that and actually be successful with it. And that's a credit to everybody involved. That's a credit to Stan Van Gundy and the rest of the coaching staff. That's a credit to all of the players. Uh, just because when you just making that significant of a of a change to your team, 
and it's really, I mean, it, <laughs> I, and I don't know, I guess I don't know how many times I can just say that it's just really impressive, but it is, it is really impressive, so, yeah, um, one thing that's worth noting, I mentioned this in my, uh, excuse me, <laughs> my, I mentioned this in my, in my game recap, but, um, one thing that is worth noting from particular last night, it really showed, is that Andre Drummond, for how good a rebounder he is, he's really not a selfish rebounder. Um, obviously, the way that the Pistons are set up, it's set up for him to get pretty much every single rebound, and anything that's in his area, he's going for it, and he's probably going to get it. Um, even if there's not necessarily oppose, um, um, uh, opponents around him, he's still the one who's going to get it, but there's not very many times where he, like, fights with teammates for rebounds. Um, like, if he can tell that his teammates got it, he's not going after it. He's saying, okay, they've got it, and he's going up the court to... He's running up the court quickly. And, you know, last night, it's funny. Now, obviously, he, I don't know if he would have gotten a triple-double even if he had played more. He did play He did play 27 minutes, so it's not like he played a super small amount. But there is something that... The thought crossed my mind, and then also a few other people, because I saw them tweet it, that... There's a chance that Andre Drummond, because there was a point where he had he gotten over 10 points and he had seven assists and he only had like four rebounds at one point in the third quarter. And the thought crossed my mind that he could end up getting 10 rebounds and 10 points and miss a triple-double because he doesn't get enough rebounds because he's just not, he's letting other people get defensive rebounds because he just, he's not that kind of a guy who's a selfish rebounder. And <laughs> that just that, there would have been something incredibly funny and ironic about that if that had been the case, but it's really, you know, it goes back to something Stan Van Gundy talks about a lot, and he's talked about a lot since he arrived, is that he want, he likes guys and wants guys and has tried to bring in guys who are not selfish players, who are going to be happy for the success of others is often something that he says. And, you know, Andre Drummond is not Tim Duncan as, like, a leader and a you know, a locker room presence or anything like that. Now, admittedly, not very many people are Tim Duncan, but, you know, he's not some, like, incredible leader. But there's something to be said for the fact that he's a guy who, he is a rebounder. That is what he is, first and foremost. Even though he's gotten so much better at so many things over the years to where he's now a really complete player, what he is best at is still rebounding, and he doesn't really even care that much about his counting stats. And that's something that's just really... It's nice to see, honestly, from your best player. So it's just a good thing. Um, and, you know, so before the podcast starts, I always open up a few different pages, and one of them is the basketball reference page for the team just so I have all the sort of basic stats available. And, man, it's nice to look at all the standings and see Pistons as second in the East. And they're in a... There's starting to be a little bit of separation there, um, where the now the Cavs and Raptors are there, but then after them, there's look starting to look like there might be that might sort of be the gap. Um, the Sixers are at twelve and eight, but I wonder exactly. It's going to be interesting to see how how the Eastern Conference ends up shaking shaping up, um, because I think the Pistons are going to be good all year. I don't know if they're going to keep up their current pace. I think at their current pace, they'd win like in the upper 50s for games, like 57 or 58, and I don't think they're going to keep that up. 
but I think they could win 50 games. The Celtics are going to slow down from their pace. Um, the Raptors are probably going to be, I think that it's going to probably be the Celtics, Raptors, Pistons, and Cavs in the top four. Um, I'd still put guess that the Cavs are going to end up being first just because, you know, LeBron. But it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. But I would say that as long, if the Pistons end up having home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs, I'd definitely consider that a success here. So, yeah. Um, I guess the other thing to say next would just be sort of the upcoming schedule. It's a pretty brutal stretch. Uh, they're going on the road to Washington and Philadelphia on a back-to-back. Then they've got the Spurs and Milwaukee also on the road, and then they come back home to play Golden State until they – and then they go back, and then they also host Boston again. Then Denver, man, until they play Atlanta on December 28th, from now till then, they're playing all teams that are probably going to be playoff teams. I guess um, Washington, if they're healthy, they should be. Philly is starting to look like they probably will be as long as they're healthy, too. Um, I guess Denver maybe would miss the playoffs in the East. What are they right now? I think they're only they're eleven and nine, so they're they're hanging in there. So they probably will be in the East as long as they. Although Paul Millsap's hurt, that really hurts them in a big way. But you know, so they're going to have what? That's a seven game stretch. I think. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yes, seven game stretch for nearly an entire month. Where they're going to be playing nothing but playoff teams, and <laughs> that's rough. And my guess is that. After this stretch, their record will probably even out from being a 50, like, 8-win mark to more like a 50-win pace, and that's okay. So, you know, when you look at it, particularly so with the next game against Washington, the good news is John Wall is hurt. Uh, That's not good news, but the good news for the Pistons is that John Wall is hurt, and, you know, without John Wall, they're... They're in a rough spot. Um, Tim Frazier has been really not good for them so far this year, even as a backup. So having to have him start has really not been good. Uh, he hasn't any, <laughs> and he hasn't been very good for them in the what two games that he started. I think he started two games, and you know they're in a they're sort of in a goofy spot, but they're not in a terrible spot though because they're in a goofy spot because. They haven't been able to um, really get their, get their uh, what's the word? They haven't really been able to gel yet. The strength of their team is still their awesome starting lineup, and their awesome starting lineup really hasn't gotten a chance to get going. Uh, Marcus Markeith Morris missed the first almost month of the season, and then he started to, they've sort of slowly worked him back in. He's pretty much all the way back. And then almost as soon as he's almost pretty much all the way back and playing well, then John Wall gets hurt, and now he's out for two weeks. So that's kind of mess with him. And then, geez, I think they might just be cursed to have a bad bench forever. Um, Tim Frazier was supposed to be a steadying presence for backups point guard, and he's been bad. Um, Jody Meeks has actually been healthy, but he's been terrible too. He's only shooting like 32% from three, below 40% from the field, and he was supposed to be a steadying presence. Jan Mahimi, oh my goodness, that guy, <laughs> you know, Whenever you think about how frustrating it is that the Pistons have some backup centers getting paid too much money, we could be paying Jan Mahimi what the Wizards are paying him, and he has more fouls than points this year. 
which is, uh, I think it's actually just about even at this point after last night. He actually played a not totally terrible game last night, I think. But, nope, yep, he now has 66 points and 65 fouls after last night. So, good for you, Jan. Good for you. But, yeah, that guy's, and that guy's making $16.5 million. And he's been, like, so, like, John John Luer, for instance, it's like, yeah, he hasn't been that good. But, like, Yamahimi has been downright terrible. And he was downright terrible last year, too. So, although he was mostly hurt last year. So, that's that's another thing. But, um, because John Wall is out, that should be a, uh, a fairly winnable game for the Pistons. Um... And if they could take care of business there, that would be good, because after that, they're all games that they could lose. And obviously going to Philly on a back-to-back, that's going to be rough. Philly is no joke. The Pistons learned that full well not that long ago. And um, what was that? Oh, earlier when I said that they're playing Atlanta on December 28th, I apologize. That's December 14th, so it's not. It's the 28th game of the year. There was a 28th, so I was like, oh, the 28th of December. And then I suddenly started thinking, that seems like not very many games in a month. And that was right. That's not very many games in a month. So I apologize. I was wrong. Just realized that. But after that, you know, the after that Philly game, they're on one day of rest for every single one of those, which, you know, so they're not going to be super tired, hopefully. Uh, the Denver game is at home, which means they won't be going to Denver, which is always rough when you've been playing games consistently. So, yeah, I think there's a decent chance that they level out a bit over this stretch, but because of the fact that they won the last three, um, they basically they've got enough wins banked at this point that that they can afford to lose a couple coming up here, and that's that's really what the benefit of starting off so well has been is that they can afford to lose a couple games coming up here. So, yeah. Um, You know, it's only been like 20 minutes, but that's probably going to have to be it because I've got some other stuff that I've got to do. So, once again, I apologize. Clutch on my car blew up. Probably going to have to dump that car, which makes me sad. I like that car a lot. So, I will cry a thousand tears for it. Good night, sweet prince. But, yeah, so... Really great start to the season still, and it's getting far enough in that it's starting to get to the point that it's like, this isn't just the start to the season. This is just starting to be a great season. And I really look forward to continuing to watch the team go throughout this year. And even though they're going to be tough games, they should be a lot of good games coming up because the Pistons are a good team. They're going to play a whole bunch of good teams. So going to be worth watching. And, yeah, so go Pistons, everybody. Stay beautiful. And I will talk to you later.